Abdiela. I like how she said, my name is Miss Abdiela. I like that, <laughs> Miss Abdiela. She's getting ready to be a teacher. Can I ask Renee, can you, can, can you come up here and help me put this uh, podium up here on the stage? Thank you, man, so much. So how are you guys doing today? You guys doing all right? How many of you are glad to be here? Yes, I am glad you're here. Today, we're kicking off a brand new series that we're calling Skills. Let me help you. I'll help you. You want to go on that side? I'll go on this side. Ready? Grab from the bottom. One, two. These things are like made out of metal. I think they're like shockproof or something if there was an earthquake. I don't know, man, but we could use them as a weapon. I could toss them on people. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so we're, we're kicking off a brand new series that we're calling Skills, and um, <clears throat> I'm really excited about it. This, this series that we're looking at today, we're, we're actually going to be in Acts chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can look up Acts chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, like a physical Bible, you have an electronic, like your phone, like I do, or your tablet, you can actually feel free to find that in there. Uh, we have all of our message notes and everything on this thing called the YouVersion Bible app. And if you just download the YouVersion Bible app, you'll have the title of the message and everything right there. You can follow along there, or you can take out, there's a little card. It looks like this in your, the seat pocket in front of you. Voila. And so if you want to just pull that out, there's a red pen there that actually has black ink, and you can use that to follow along on the message today. Uh, there's a place to put the title. There's a place to put the date and anything that might stick out to you, and then you can like keep it around, and maybe throughout the week you might see some things that stuck out to you through the message, and you might just need to be reminded of. It's a great thing. And so today we're talking about skills, 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 skills. Why skills? Because sometimes we need some skills in order to deal with some people, some personalities. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about the different skills that we need to deal with different personalities. Today, the title of our talk is called The Leech, The Leech, because we're going to talk about that type of personality that is like super needy, super clingy all the time, and then what they do is they suck the life out of you. Um, maybe not everybody, but I know for me it happens a lot. And so uh, the leech, that's what we're talking about. They are chronically, consistently clingy. And so um, next week we're going to talk about the power-hungry personality, the one that likes to control and manipulate. So don't miss next week. It's going to be really good. We're going to talk about the skills we need to deal with those kinds of folks. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about the two-faced personality. Maybe you know some folks that are like that, the two-faced, right? What do we do? What does the Bible say? How do we minister to folks who say one thing and then do another? Or essentially, they're what? They're hip hypocrites, right? What is our place in situations that we find ourselves as we try to deal with these kind of folks? And so then we're going to deal with those really prickly people, those people that are really prickly, you know, the ones that like they criticize everything. If you just came here for the first time and, you know, you're one of those prickly people and critical, then you've already picked out 15 things you don't like about, you know, the church and you're not going to come back, you know. Um, so, you know, it could be picky, picky, picky and prickly, picky people. Um, and so how do we deal with that? That's week number four. So if you're here and you're picky, we got a week for you. We're going to talk about how to deal with you, right? So as we start this series, though, what we need to acknowledge is that at one time or another, we fit into one of those categories. 
We all have been one or more of these, and the good news is that God loves us regardless. Can somebody say yeah? He loves us regardless, and, and so his word, he shows us how we should love and care for and minister uh, and develop the skills that we need to work with people that we may find challenging. And so today, we're going to start by talking about the leech, the leech, okay? So you know what I mean by that, right? Did I explain myself enough? Um, they're the too clingy, the way too needy, the over the top, but uh, and you might have friends that are like that, right? You, you might have somebody that you know that's like that, or maybe somebody that you know that's always in a financial need of some sort, or they're the ones that are, are without work, or they're always struggling to make ends meet, or relationally they make you feel you know, overly guilty for the time you need for yourself, or they seem so clingy, they suck you dry emotionally. Some of you, you may have someone in your life where everything is a drama, they're always a victim. The world is against them. And you talk on the phone with them, and then you get off the phone, and 30 seconds later, they call you back. Are we okay? Are we still friends? Are, did, did I say something you didn't like? I'm just checking in. Or they might call you, and they might leave you an eight-minute voice message. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with leaving an eight-minute voice message, but if you're here and you leave an eight-minute voice message this message is probably for you, okay? So we're talking about the leech. The world is falling apart and I'm in trouble and I don't know what I'm gonna do. Maybe they are addicted. Maybe they're always some kind of drama and I just want you to know right now that if that's you, would you just raise your hand? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, how many of you would say though, for real, I know someone that is like that? Raise your hand, all right. I, I'm thinking of someone that is like, okay, I got a couple of hands. Don't point at them. Don't go like that. I saw some of you guys go, don't do that, all right? Now, here's what I want you to do, though. If you're sitting by somebody that's not a leech, not that way, they're not overly clingy, um, I, they're not overly needy, then I just want you to, they make your life better. I want you to look at them and just say, you complete me. Just go ahead and say that. Big smile, you complete me. I think I see some single people over there saying that they just got a date. Praise God, I just hooked somebody up. I love it, all right, you scored a date. Now, let's look at the other person that you didn't say it to and say, you deplete me. I'm just kidding, don't say that, don't say that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the truth is, the truth of the matter is that sometimes when we come across those who are in need, if we don't minister to them in healthy ways, we end up hurting ourselves. Can somebody say yes? And so what we want to do as followers of Christ, or maybe you're here and you're like, well, I don't know if I'm a follower of Christ yet. That's okay. Uh, we all, as humans, we see a need and just there's something inside of us that wants to help. I want to do something for them. We genuinely want to help when we see a need. The problem is that if we don't help them in the right way, what ends up happening is that we actually can hurt them more. And if we are not careful, we can end up hurting ourselves as well. Can you guys say yes? Okay, so here's kind of the scenario for me. This is what happens to me a lot of times, all right? And I, it often happens. I, I want to help someone, and so I do something, uh, but then what I do inevitably isn't enough, and so I try to do more, and try to do more, and then they're like, well, that's not enough either. And then eventually, after I keep giving and giving, I'm back, I, I start pulling back a little bit, and I start feeling um, like, I can't do this anymore, and then they resent me, and then I feel guilty, and then in the end, they're not any better off, 
And I'm not any better, if not anything, I'm actually maybe perhaps worse. And so I wanted to help, but I didn't do it the right way. And so today I wanna talk about how do we help people in a way that is truly helpful. And to do this, I thought we would start off by talking about there's two different ways to help. There's one way to help that is temporary and immediate. It's kind of like when you get a headache and you want temporary and immediate relief from the pressure in your head and so you pop a couple pills, right? There's that temporary relief. But then there's another type of relief. This temporary one, I have to say, in our culture, we're actually pretty good at this, right? Like, if there is a flood, we want to, like, jump in and help. If there's a hurricane, we want to send money, right? If, if, if there is some sort of tragedy, your neighbor, you know, lost a job, we want to gather together. Actually, that's what we do here as a church. We're, we have small groups, and we want to help people. You know, you lost your job, right? Let's jump in. Let's help. You're, you know, you got an emergency. You need somebody to watch the kids. That's the beautiful thing about small groups that we have in the back as uh, Abdila mentioned, that we're, you know, we're promoting this Sunday that if you're not part of a small group, we would love for you to be a, a part of a small group because this is what happens in a small group. We become like family. We help each other out. We, we, we support each other. You need a car? I'll let you borrow my car. You need, you know, you, you lost your job. Don't worry about the kids. You know, uh, we got them or food. You know, you have an emergency. We can cover that. You know, and so a small group is a beautiful thing. And so, uh, but that's a temporary relief. A lot of times, that's, what people need, and, and that's what we can help. A lot of people feel that when they need help, that's what they need, is that temporary, immediate need. But the truth is, that's not always what they need. Um, we had a group here. We had, uh, there was a need at um, Ronald Reagan High School, and we went on Thursday, a group of people went on Thursday and they brought school supplies to the teachers that were, you know, maybe a little shorthanded in the supplies that they have to come up with out of their own personal expenses. You know, this year there weren't as much uh, tax breaks or whatever, and so they were a little bit short. We brought them reams of paper. Uh, I, I can't even tell you how many reams of paper. Actually, I think I have it here. 50 reams of paper. We brought them pens, paper, pencils, Clorox wipes, boxes of tissue, loose leaf, uh, nope, nope, that's it. All right, that's all we got. But we brought them a bunch of stuff this week, and then on Friday, we had another group of people that brought some backpacks, 127 backpacks, folders, spiritual, uh, spiral notebooks, pens, pencils, rulers, glue, composition notebooks, erasers, sharpeners, loose leaf paper, and all that stuff to, uh, to Sweetwater Elementary. They had some kids that were in need over there. We were able to do that this week. But that's what a group does. Small group, there's a need, and we want to help out immediately, whatever we can, that's what we do, okay? Now there's a second type of help, and by nature, most of us are not quite as good at this one. It's not temporary and immediate, it is actually ongoing. And when it's ongoing, we're working with people to restore them to their God-given potential. And this isn't something that, um, that we do for them, it's working with them to help restore them to their God-given potential. And the reason we're not as good at this is because, honestly, it takes a lot of time. This is not, you know, I'll take a week off of work and I'll go help rebuild somebody's house. Uh-uh. This is something that's gonna take months and sometimes even years where you walk with someone through some time. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of resources, and it takes a lot of time. Um, and so, um, 
maybe that person that you're trying to help is addicted or they're hooked on something, whatever, some kind of addiction, and they, they, what you do because you want to help them is you hang out with them, and you, help, you try to help them get to rehab, or you help them find accountability, and they might go three months where they're clean, but then they fall off the wagon, and so then you go and you help them pick them up, and you help pick up the pieces, and you give them some tough love, and you kick them in the pants, and you're like, come on, you can do this, you know, and a uh, period of time might be a lot of ups, and a period of time might be a lot of downs, um, and you celebrate that, and you cry, you tears when, you know, finally the power of God comes, and through his people, and become completely clean. It's a beautiful thing. You help people restore them to their God-given potential. Now, some of the people that we encounter like this might be a leech, right? They're chronically insecure people. Meet my needs, please meet my needs. They're, will you love me? Will you value me? Will you make me feel special? I need a significant other. I need a friend, right? And you take them and you open up God's word and you sit across the table and you teach them God's word and you show them who they are in Christ and you help them be involved in a community and over time, you disciple them to where their security comes not from other people but from who, you guys? But from God, right? You help restore them to their God-given potential. This is the person <clears throat> that never has any money. They're always hurting. They're always broke. And you don't throw $500 at them because $500 is not going to solve their immediate problem, right? Um, it's like the idea of giving them fish or teaching them, right, how to fish. Giving you know, them $500, that's relief. Giving them fish, that's like the, the giving them the $500, right? But they don't need relief. What they need is restoration. You give them $500 and then within a few days, what happens? It, they're in trouble again because it doesn't help solve the problem. And so what they need is, they need a budget. Somebody say yes. They may need more income to actually go to work. They may need fewer expenses. They've spent years getting into financial, a financial hole and it's gonna take years to help them get out. And you work with them, you teach them a new language, right? You teach them a new way to think. Debt is bad. We're paying cash. We're not using credit cards for now because that will dig us in a deeper into debt. And so one day, they're debt-free. <clears throat> and they're generous, and God has used them. Not for temporary assistance, but for ongoing help. And it takes time. It takes time. And the problem today is that when we want to help people, the challenge is, by nature, most of us tend to want to offer immediate and temporary relief, when a lot of times, the right thing to offer is ongoing restoration. Can somebody say yes? And so I want to show you today a great story in the Bible in Acts chapter 3 that there's three specific prayers that we can pray to help us um, get the skills that we need to help people get back to their God-given potential. Does that sound good? Yes. Acts chapter 3. Everybody with me? Let's, let's read here. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Scripture says, one day, can everybody say one day? One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon, at 3 in the afternoon. Okay, so now a man crippled from birth. This was a guy that was lame. He could not walk. He was born this way. And for his whole life, he couldn't walk. He was crippled from birth. Let's keep reading. He was being carried to the temple gate called 
beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Let's pause here for a second. Okay, so what do we have here? We have a guy who was a lychee, pretty much, okay? He was in significant need, and for his whole life, people offered him temporary and immediate relief. They carried him because he couldn't walk. He begged, and they gave him money, right? Um, he wanted to go back home, and they would carry him back home. And so this guy was smart because he knew that there was three places where he could beg and get the most money. And it was very common to beg in these places in this time in history. Those three are, the first one, most popular places, the first one was the highways, where there was a lot of traffic. They'd go out there and they would beg. The second place was where wealthy people lived. They would wait outside their homes and as people, as the wealthy people came out, they would beg them and they would get help. But the most lucrative place for them to beg was in the temple. Why? Because everybody needed to go to the temple at some point in the day. And so every day, they needed, people needed to go to the temple. And so there was another thing. There was the Pharisees. And the Pharisees at this time, they were a bunch of self-righteous guys, and they always tried to outdo each other. So what would happen is, <laughs> they would be at the temple courts, they would come out, see the beggar, and one of the Pharisees would be like, hey, everybody, look, 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 I'm giving this beggar money. Here, here's a quarter. And then a Pharisee would come behind him and see that he gave a quarter. He's like, oh, you gave us a quarter. Hey, everybody, look. And he would give him a dollar. And then he'd go on, and the Pharisee behind him would be like, oh, all you gave him was a dollar. So he comes back, I'll give him $5 because I'm a, I'm, you know, I give to the poor, and I'm better than all these other Pharisees. And so they would outdo each other. So this is a lucrative gig for the guy. So now let's keep reading verse 3. So when this guy saw Peter and John about to enter, what did he ask for, you guys? What did he ask for? Come on, help me out today. What did he ask? He asked for what? Money. He asked for money, which most people think is their greatest need. Most people think what I need is more money. And so what did Peter do? Let's keep reading. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention. And what was he expecting, you guys? Say it aloud. What was he expecting? He was expecting money. So keep reading. This guy, he was expecting to get something from them. Why? Because his whole life, people had given him what he wanted, temporary and immediate relief. He wanted money, and they gave him money. He wanted temporary relief, and they gave him temporary relief. Verse 6, Peter changes things up, and he says this, silver or gold I do not have. You want money? I don't got it for you, right? But what I have, I give you in the name, and this is the name that is above every name, right? The name, can you guys all help me out? What's the name? It's the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He said, you're not going to get any money. Instead, I'm going to tell you to walk. Verse 7, scripture says, taking him by the right hand, what did Peter do, you guys? The Bible says what? He helped him up. Classic example of not giving people a hand out, but giving them a hand up, all right? And the verse says, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. 
He jumped to his feet, he began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And so what happened, you guys? What happened? They helped bring this guy restoration. They helped change this guy's life completely. He wanted money, but what he needed to do was to be able to walk. And for the first time in his life, he stands up. And for the rest of his life, he's able to stand up. And he tells them, you know, you take the step of faith and watch what's going to happen. And when they worked with him, Peter and John, this guy's life was completely restored. So the problem for us is that we typically don't work with people. We work for people because we wrongly believe that we are necessary for them. We're like that necessary ingredient for people to get better. And so we place ourselves in their lives and what we do is what I call the role of the functional savior. You need me to save you. I have all the answers. I am the solution. If I don't meet your needs, then nobody will meet your needs. And so I tried. You didn't like it. I pulled back. I feel guilty. Why? Because I thought I was necessary to make you better. And so that's why I want today is to talk about these three prayers that we can pray to help people who are in need. Because when we pray, it puts us in the rightful place. And then we are not we realize we're not the one who restores, God is the one who restores. He is the power source. We are the connector, and we need his wisdom, and we need his help, and we're gonna end up trying to help people in a way that doesn't actually help them, and in the end, it hurts them. And so we wanna do it God's way. Can somebody say yes? And so three prayers that we can pray to know how to help people that are like this, if you're taking notes, number one is, this prayer, God, help me give people what they truly need, not just what they want. And would you guys all say that aloud? Everybody, everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, God, help me give people what they truly need, not just what they want. This is what Peter did, you guys. Peter did this. The lame guy said, I want money. He said, I'm not giving you money, but what I have, I give you. You're in luck if you want to, in the name of Jesus, walk. And here's the key. People are going to tell you what they think they need. They're going to tell you what they think is their greatest need. They're going to tell you that, what they want. They're going to tell you that. And you're going to have to pray and ask God, God, is this what I should do? Give me wisdom to go beyond what they say they need, beyond their specific need. For example, they may say, you know what? I need money. I need money, I need money. And God may show you very clearly, no, it's not what they need. What they need is a job. They need a job, that's what they need. They need a job, and not just any job, a job that you work 40 hours a week for, right? And if you give them money again, you're gonna stay on the couch like you did yesterday, and you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna offer temporary relief. But what they really need is ongoing restoration. Can somebody say yes? All right, so, and I don't mean to be hard, but you guys are, are, are a little quiet. It's actually very good talk today, very good preaching because God is gonna lead us to help people with what they need. Oh, but I need $580 to make my car payment. 
I need $580 to make my car, because if not, then the bank is gonna come and take my car, repossess my car. And the truth is, no, you don't need $580 to make your car payment, because that would mean that you have a $35,000 car. And you can't afford a $35,000 car. What you need is a $2,500 car that you don't need to make these outrageous car payments, something that you can actually afford, not something that you cannot afford. And I'm not gonna continue to give you something that's gonna end up hurting you in the long run. But I just need you to make this, you know, better. Just right now, make me feel special. You're the only one. You, you didn't call me for the last seven minutes and, and I just need, I'm devastated. Why didn't you come over to my house today? Why didn't you come? I, I need you, I can't, I can't make it without you, no. No, 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 that's not the truth. I can't meet that need. You have a God-shaped vacuum, a spiritual void that only God can meet. And I'm telling you, I wanna love you, but I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna do it in a way that's gonna help you, not hurt you. And so the prayer is, God, help us to give people what they truly need, not just what they want. Let me give you an example. I had a couple that came to church here. And um, they... uh, they, they came to me, they said, Pastor Abdi, we need some help. We're having some issues. I said, okay, let me, let me help you. And so um, I said, let's meet. So we met and they told me, they, they were a couple and they, they told me their issues and there was only one hiccup, you guys. The only hiccup was that they were not married, but they were having married people issues. And so when they got done telling me, it took them about an hour to explain everything to me. When they got done telling me everything, I was like, all right. Um, And I'm praying the whole time as they're talking to me. I'm praying, I'm saying, God, you know, reveal to me, help me. Give them what they need, not just what they want. They, I said, all right, at the end of the day, I said, all right, so what can I do for you guys? They spoke to me for about an hour, what can I do? And they said, well, um, you can help us with our issues. And I said, Okay, I, want, I would love to help you with your issues, but there's one problem. You guys are acting like you're married, and you're not. That's the real issue. And they're like, no, 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 but Pastor, we know that, Pastor Abdi, but we just need help with these issues. We're, we're not communicating, they're not listening. I said, listen, I get it, but the real issue is you're not married. If you guys would get married, everything else would fall into place. And so they pushed back, and they didn't listen to me. So a few months left, and they were having more, and it got worse, and fireworks started happening, not literal, other ways in their home. And they broke up, and they came to me in tears, and they're like, Pastor Abdi, I said, listen, this is the best thing that could happen. I know you're hurting, but I'm telling you, if, you know, I want to help you the best way in this. And so a little time went by, and they came back to me, and they said, Pastor Abdi, guess what? You were right. This per- the reason we were having problems is because this person wasn't the right person for me to begin with. And so I, st- I was acting like everything was okay, acting like I was married with this person, but I should have never been with them in the first place. And I don't take any credit for that, you guys. I don't take any credit for helping them. I just say, God, thank you, because you gave me the words to say to them what they needed to hear, not what they wanted to hear. And there will be times when you're gonna be tempted to just give them what they want so they would just, you know, stop 
I'll just help you right now. Let's just get it over with, right? But no, God, help me to see past what they say and help me to see what they truly need. God, I pray that you would lead us to give people what they truly need, not just what they want. Can somebody say yes? All right, the second prayer, and this is so important, and I believe for many of you, this is just gonna lead you into a deep, it's gonna, it's gonna land deep within your souls, all right? And this can be life transforming as God uses you to help minister to others who are in need. The second prayer that you can pray is God help me to stay out of your way by not continually rescuing people from their consequences. God, help me to stay away, stay out of your way by not continually rescuing people from their consequences. How many of you know that God set up a system which is that we reap what we what? We reap what we sow. There are consequences, consequences for our good or for our sinful actions. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked for a man, what? You guys say it aloud. For a man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. God can't be mocked. God designed a system that when you sow foolish seeds, you're gonna reap a foolish harvest, right? It's there for you to learn, and so often we rescue people from their foolish decisions, and we get in God's way. But what happens over and over and over again, I know for me it does as a parent, right? Our kids, they, um, they mess up. They tell us late at night, Sunday night, Dad, I have a project, a science project due tomorrow. What should I do? Oh, well, um, I'm just rearranging furniture here. I hope you guys don't mind. Um, uh, oh, well, what should I do? Uh, I, it's due tomorrow. I need help. And so what do we do as parents? Oh, don't worry, I got you. I'll help you out this time. But you gotta do better next time. And then next time comes and, oh, I'm sorry, I got a project due tomorrow. And what do we do? We rescue them. We, we rescue them instead of helping them out of their, letting them feel the consequences, right? Oh, you wrecked your brand new car. Let me give you another $35,000 car because I don't wanna be accused of child abuse because you don't have a $35,000 car that you're driving these days, right? Right? Consequences. Everybody say consequences. No, you're 32 years old. You can't stay on my sofa tomorrow. I'm going to show you how to fold your own underwear. I'm going to show you how to do your own laundry. But you can't stay here anymore. It's like the story of the prodigal son. I love that story in Luke chapter 15. I love what the great man of God, the father did, right? What he didn't do for his son that he loved so much. The son said, I want to party. I want my money. I want my stuff now. I, give me the cash right now. And so he went out, sleeping with girls, smoking pot, whatever he is, having a good time. And one day he wakes up. And where is he? In the pig pen. And his life stinks, literally and figuratively, right? And guess what the dad didn't do? He didn't go down to where he was and help him. You're in there. Let me, come on home. I'm going to help you out. No. You know what the dad did? He loved him enough to leave him in the pig pen. Why? So the son could come. The Bible says this. So the son could come to his senses. 
so he could get it. It's what the Bible says. And he realized, I'd rather be a servant in my dad's home than live in this mess. But dad, if you loved me, you would rescue me. No, sometimes you say, because I love you, I'm not gonna rescue you. I love you so much, I'm gonna let you. I'm not gonna interfere with the God-given consequences that are in your life because of your bad decisions. And I know that sounds hard, you guys. I know it does. And it's hard for me because I love, I love all of you and I love my kids because some people just have to learn the hard way. Some people just have to learn the hard way. And I'm gonna tell you right now, one of the best things that my parents did for me, the best things they did was let me learn the hard way. I remember when I went off to college and I took out a loan. I, I remember I went to college and my kids, my, my parents told me, you're 18 years old now. We love you. You're 17 and a half, about to be 18 years old now. We love you. We've been supporting you now for the last 17 and a half years, almost 18. Now, you want to go to college? It's a great thing, but you got to figure it out. And I was like, wait, all my life, you have figured it out for me. Not anymore. Now you have to figure it out. And so I did. I went to college, had graduated with $70,000 worth of student loans, right? And after I got done, my parents were like, great job, you graduated. How are you going to pay that off? And I'm like, I don't know, I got to figure this out. And I got a job. I got a job. And I started working. And for the next 10 years, it took me, but I paid it off. Because if you don't know, I went to school to be a pastor. I went to seminary. And it's not a, contrary to popular belief, it's not a lucrative position. And so, you know, it took me a little while, but I did it little by little. I paid it off. And so, but it was one of the best things. I had to grow up and take responsibility for my financial decisions. And let me tell you, it was because someone loved me enough to let me face the consequences. God met me where, he, where I was, and it, I was able to meet a need that someone else couldn't meet. He was able to meet a need for me that someone else couldn't meet. And so that's our prayer. God, help us to not get in your way of the consequences that you put in place to help people. And so the third prayer, and this is, the, is so important, because God wants to help us help those people who are lychee those clingy people, those over-the-top needy. Prayer number one, let me just repeat it so it'll be in our souls. Number one is, God, help me give people what they truly need, not just what they want. Number two is, God, help me to stay out of your way by not continually rescuing people from their consequences. Number three, God, help me remember that I'm in need too and that you are always the answer. God, help me remember that I'm in need too and that you are always the answer. This is the key to the whole thing today. You really want to help people who are in need? You need to recognize that you're in need too. David said it this way, and I love it. He said this in Psalm 70, verse 5. He said, yet I am poor and needy. I am needy. I'm in need. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh, Lord, do not delay. You see, when you realize that you're in need too, 
when you re- then you'll remember that you're, you can't be that functional savior that Jesus is. And when you realize that you're in need too, that you are not, you know, you're not the one that can do it, it's God who does it for you, then it puts you in a place where you're not trying to figure it all out. You're trying to point people to Jesus. And the problem is that if you think God needs you to meet everyone else's needs, your God is too small. I think that was really good. Let me say that again. If you think God needs you to meet everybody else's needs, your God is too small. You're not the God. You're the connector to the source. You're the connector to the power, to the one, the one who is God, and he's the one that can heal. And as long as you think I'm needed and I'm necessary and I'm this, you overinflate your ego and you dilute your ability to connect them to, to the true power source. And here's what you do. You want to remember that you're in need. Just go to a third world country, right? Just go to any, you pick the, anyone you want. Go to a third world country, anywhere. Poorest place you can find. Some of you, you're gonna nod with me when I tell you this because you have been to one of these or maybe more than one of these. And when you go there, you know what I'm talking about. You walk in and you feel good about all the things that you have. You feel good about yourself. Hmm, I'm here to help the poor people. I'm the rich person. And, oh, it's horrible here. They don't even have a toilet, right? And there's no running water. This is just horrible, right? And then something eventually switches for you. Along the way, it switches. Suddenly you go, wait a minute. The more I do for them, the more that they do, they're doing for me. The more I try to give to them, the more I'm receiving in some crazy way that I didn't expect. And then one day you wake up and you go, wait just a second. They're financially broke and empty, but they have something that I don't have. And you see the strangest joy in the middle of nowhere and in this other worldly contentedness and you're miserable with stuff everywhere and they've got nothing and they seem to be to have everything and all of a sudden you realize "Uh uh-oh uh-oh i'm in need too and yes there's something that i can give but there's something that they can give me and when you realize that they're mutually in need we are mutually in need we're mutually broke and we're mutually messed up we both need God, and therefore we can point each other to the one that we truly need. You guys, can you guys say yes? And here's something I need you to hear about me. I need you to hear this, and I was debating about sharing this, but I've just decided, I'm just gonna say, you need to know that Pastor Abdi is a sinner saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am mutually in need. I'm in need. I need prayer. I need encouragement. I need forgiveness. My wife can tell you, I need forgiveness, I need support, I need friendship, and I don't have all the answers. I am not, I'm not the solution to everything. I am mutually in need, and when we land there, when we're both in need, suddenly we realize that I can help connect you to God in a way that you need, and if you'll see me in need, you can help connect me to God in a way that I need, and suddenly I'm not just offering money for temporary relief, no, not short-term help, but we're in biblical community. We're doing life together like a small group. It's beautiful, and I dare say to you that virtually every need that any of you have can be met by God through his people in the church. 
when we humble ourselves and we say we are mutually broken sinners in need of a savior, our answer is not anything in this world, but what God provides through his people by his glory for his name's sake. When we get there, suddenly we can be restored. Suddenly we get, we, 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 we see, we reach our God-given potential to be who Jesus created us to be, to make his name known throughout the earth. This is how God is gonna use this church, this church to make a difference. Would you bow your heads and let me pray with you today. Father, I pray that your spirit would help us to love and to minister to the needy people and to realize, oh God, that we are needy people, that we need you through each other. And as you're praying today, some of you right now, you know someone who is in need and you need help to minister to them in a way that will truly help them. If that's you, would you just simply lift your hand with me right now? Lift them up. There's someone in need around you and you need help to minister to them in a way that will help them and not hurt them. I see some hands back there. I see some hands up here. Any other hands? I see a hand back there. Anywhere else? I see that hand up here. God bless you guys. You guys can put your hands down. Those of you who would say, you know what? Right now, I'm in a little bit more need than normal. It might be a physical need. It might be a financial struggle. It might be a relational issue. It could be spiritual in nature. You say, you know what? I'm in need right now. If that's you, would you just lift up your hands right now? Just lift them up. All over this place. I see that hand over here. I see that hand over here. I see those two hands, three hands over here, four hands over here. You could put them down. You're in that place. You just want to be real honest. You're like, I'm in need right now. I need prayer. Thank you for lifting up. Anyone else before we pray? I want to pray for you in this moment. See that hand over there. God bless you. So God, I pray for these groups today. God, I pray for those who are ministering to others that you would give us eyes to see the real needs. Go beyond the words, but to the heart. Give us wisdom, oh God. Give us courage to love in a way that truly will help. God, for those who are hurting, I pray today, God, I pray that we would be connected to your body, to your family, the church, God. I pray that there would be conversations in church today that people couldn't even leave the building that they're in because someone else has just got to to reach out and offer a hug and a prayer and serve in some way and God I pray that there would be prayers going on in heaven right now for those around the world God I pray that we would be your body mutually broken in need of a savior realizing that we are not the answer oh God but that you are the answer God, help us to love one another, connecting each other to your son, Jesus, who is the name that is above all names. And God, I pray that we would continue to excel at offering relief to all of the tragic needs in this world. But God, I pray that as your church, that we'd go beyond just relief. But God, you would use our church to restore the broken, Restore the outcast, God, to bring about true healing in this broken and sinful, sin-stained world, God. And God, I thank you in advance for all the ways that your spirit is starting a restoring work, even now as we pray. And as we continue in attitude of prayer, there will be those of you who are going to realize right now that your greatest need is spiritual that you are alone spiritually. You may be like, well, I was growing up, I believed in God, but I did not know him. 
I had a spiritual need, like me. You, maybe that was you. And some of you, you've done some things wrong and you feel a tremendous amount of guilt. Well, guess what? You have a spiritual need. Some of you, you've tried to, your best to fill the emptiness inside of you. You've tried things and money and pleasure and sex and relationships and vacations and houses and on and on and on, but you're still empty. Why? Because you're trying to fill a Christ-shaped void with anything besides Christ. You have a spiritual need. There are those of you today, you're longing for something more and you know it's there. You have a spiritual need and guess what? That's why God brought you here today. Because he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son who was without sin to become sin for us on the cross. Who gave his life for the forgiveness of our sins and on the third day he rose again from the grave so that anyone who calls on his name would be saved, would be forgiven, would be transformed. He wants to meet your needs. God wants to meet your needs through his son Jesus. And there are many of you, that's why you're here today. And if you say, you know what, that's me. I know it. I'm in spiritual need. I am ready. I'm not playing church. I'm not just checking a box on a little piece of paper. I am wholeheartedly giving my life to him. I need God in every way. Jesus, would you save me? Jesus, would you be first in my life? Jesus, I need you to, to meet my deepest need. I turn from my sins and I turn towards you. I give my whole life to you. If that's you today, I need God. I give my life to you now. Would you just lift your hands with me right now? Those of you who would say that, and just lift it up and leave it up. I see these hands up here in the front. God bless you. You could put it down. I see that hand in the middle. You could put it down. I see those two hands in the back over there. I see these two hands, three hands over here. God bless you guys. Yay, God. We love you, God. Anyone else before we pray? We're just gonna say this simple prayer, and I want all of us to pray this prayer out loud with me, okay? Everybody pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. Would you save me from my sins? I believe you rose again, Jesus, so I could live for you. Would you fill me with your spirit? Let's pray together, you guys. Pray out loud. Pray strongly. Say, fill me with your spirit so I could serve you always. Thank you for meeting my needs. Empower me to meet needs in this world, to point people towards you so my life would count for your glory. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Doral Vineyard, would you let it rip? Be loud. Celebrate with me.